0: I was terrified, cold sweats, wanted to throw up, all of it. I nervously paced and practiced my words ahead of addressing a room full of Silicon Valley operators that would make the 1927 Yankees shudder. These were titans in the industry that were little more than strangers, and they were all there for us. My heart was pounding out of my chest. And that's when this week's guest placed his hand on my shoulder, looked me square in the eye, cleared his throat, and said, your fly's open. Former EVP of product at Marketo, founder of Aptrinsic, and currently serving as CEO of Sinkery, Nick Bonfilio, joins me to talk about the things that keep him up at night, his time as a CTO at Lucasfilm, and an absurd habit that might not seem so absurd these days. Nick's been helping individuals and corporations grow for 30 plus years, and if you join us for the next 20 minutes, you'll become one of them. Thanks for listening, and let's get this party started. did you hear about Bethany? So, she's a first-time founder with a great problem. She's getting a lot of customers. Many of those customers are upmarket. They're buyers that want tier-based, volume-based pricing, recurring sales discounts, one-time discounts that don't recur at the time of upsell renewal. These are enterprise concepts that Bethany, and frankly, a lot of us, had no idea about. And Stripe doesn't support. Good thing that she found sales bricks. It sits on top of her Stripe and within minutes, she set up revenue infrastructure that lets her sell to anyone. Do you hear that? That's the sound of every highly paid engineer breathing a sigh of relief because they'll be working on core product and not this. Don't wait until it's too late. Get Sales bricks. Nick Bonfilio, welcome to Sales Bricks Studio South here in Austin, Texas. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Nick, saw CRN named their list of emerging big data vendors, and no surprise, Syncery was part of the list. Congratulations. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's a love of labor. What from your past experiences before Eptrinsic gave you the confidence to say, I'm going to be CEO of my own company?
1: I think you get to a point in your career where you're like, what's next, right? And that comes in two flavors for a lot of people. So it's either like, oh, I'm going to go into investing or I'm going to become a CEO. And if you're an operator like I am, the thought of becoming an investor is not the first thing that comes to mind. And so you know, obviously operators tend to gravitate towards being a CEO first, and that's sort of how it happened.
0: Nick, tell me something about being the CTO of Lucasfilm in 1998 that most 25-year-olds today wouldn't believe.
1: So I guess the first thing I'll mention here is Lucasfilm was my first job outside of tech. I mean, literally not being in some SaaS company or something like that. So what I want to say is that it was cool, but it's not for everyone. I guess the best the best analog I could give you is like North meets South. There's a little bit of a culture clash between those two those two types of cultures. But you know, to answer your question on the tech side, when I first got there, I mean, like literally, it's like nothing happened at Lucasfilm for like 20 years since the first trilogy. And when they originally uh, came out. When they originally came <laughs> out, Episode four, five, and six, and literally. I walk in and the entire place is wired with Apple talk. And that's, that was the extent of their networking. And we were trying to build a new movie and everything was just becoming high bandwidth at the time. And there was literally had to rewire the entire ranch and, and, and a few other things that we had to do in order to be able to build things there. So again, but the cool thing is that ILM, at least they were kept up with tech because, you know, industrial light and magic was, was really the, the folks that were big part of the business at the time, including the LucasArts games side. And, you know, but they were, you know, ILM was the leader and led the entire film tech industry, and there was no one better than than those guys. So it was sort of a mix, like Lucasfilm was in one state, ILM was in another state, Lucas Arch was in another state. The most exciting part for me was Titanic was being filled. My team and I were eating at the fitness center, which was, oddly enough, was the place where you got the the, the fast food stuff at the fitness center. (laughs) And and so, you know, we walk in, we're getting burgers, and there's sort of Linda Hamilton, who was there supporting Kirk Cameron on Titanic. And they were dating at the time and just comes up to the table and says, hey, how's it going? You know, just normal human being, you know, and and I think the biggest takeaway for me was she's about 5'4 or something like that or 5'3. And in the movie, she's bigger than life. And then you meet her and you're like.
0: It's sort of like the Tom Cruise effect because Tom's yeah. a, a small guy as well. He comes off.
1: Yeah, exactly. Bigger than life on the film. And just, you know, it's just one of those things that if you hang out around movies. Actors a lot, you'll see that that's a consistent theme is that they're all kind of a little bit on the small side. <laughs> Nick, you're the founder and CEO of
0: Syncery. What's the part of the job that keeps you up at night?
1: This one's pretty easy. Everything that keeps me up at night at this stage is about growth, growth, and more growth. So it's really quite simple. You can't build a company at this stage and not have the growth rate to support it. So it's just how do you continue to, hone the sausage factory to where you get to the bigger growth rates that you need to get to while continuing to make the existing customers you have successful. So combination of those two things create growth. And that's what keeps me up every night, actually. Is it simply the
0: business or do you think of the personal growth of your C-suite, the people that are in your leadership team? Is that part of it as well?
1: That's all part and parcel, right? A lot of this team here happens with the experienced operators. So uh, we have a little bit less of that. And it's more about how do I get the sausage factory to grow consistently and how do my gazintas and gozadas improve of that sausage factory? And knowing your sausage factory is very important. Like how do you pour stuff in and what comes out the other end is gotta taste good, right? At the end of the day for your business.
0: Absolutely, or so else no one's gonna buy sausage. This is actually a new question that I'm incorporating as of today. You're the first person that I'm asking this. All right. What is an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love?
1: Love. I'll give you the absurd habit, but I'm not sure I love it. I get up very early in the morning. I work out, but I cannot start my day until I go through my inbox and empty that thing as much as possible. So like this ability to delete the crap that's in there, file the things that I need to file, reply to the sensitive Emails that really need to get to these right now, and then set reminders and snoozes for things that are like I could, these can wait. And I have to do all that ritually every morning, or else I can't actually focus on my tasks because it'll be it'll always be in the back of my mind like what am I missing over here? And you know, I'd love to give a plug right now for Andy Mawat's company Gated. I don't know if you're using that, but that thing has been a godsend for me in that it's created this filter for my inbox that's allowed me to go through that quickly. As a matter of fact, if you look at my inbox. At any given point, there's like maybe 10 messages in there. The rest are either filed Snoozed, in filters or, or, or something. Or archives like or
0: whatever. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: exactly. Automatically archived, et cetera. So I just got to get through that to know that I'm missing anything important from a customer or from a prospect or an investor, whatever it may be. But those are the sort of the time sensitive things.
0: It's sort of part of your, seems like it's part of your morning routine.
1: Yep, every morning. Right?
0: So you cannot get your day started unless that gets done. It's yep. very similar for me. I have to wake up and make my bed very first thing. The first thing I do is make my bed and not look at my phone for the first hour. If I mess those things up, whole morning shot.
1: Were you in the military or military family?
0: Never. It's just I was, I was the opposite of discipline. Put it that way. And these are the things that I needed to create discipline. What do you do when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused?
1: I mean, I thought about this a little bit and, you know, first of all, being overwhelmed happens to people nearly every day in this role. I mean, its I don't think there's a day that's gone by where it's like something's not going on that you're kind of freaking out about. But, you know, I explain being a CEO is the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. So when those lows come up, I I have the luxury and I tend to walk outside to go to my barn and love on one or two of my horses, hug them take a deep breath with them because you can't be around a horse while you're freaking out. So you have to calm yourself down oh. naturally around them. And we'll take a few deep breaths around them. And then, you know, once one of them shows up and comes to me, I know that hey, I have calmed down. And it's very much soothing and allows me to refocus and just realize that, you know, stop sweating the small stuff a lot less. And then I come back inside and just get at it again. I mean, that's really, really what i do that is incredible i did not know that i guess i
0: sort of now that i think about it that horses can be skittish but that they feel that oh yeah right <laughs> like they just and you don't have to outwardly show it right it's sort of do you think it's something that even, they just sense it
1: oh so yeah they're, they're right? prey and you're a predator so they they can sense every emotion that you're pushing out i just finished reading animal farm Mm -hmm. so horses
0: are in my head it made me really consider wanting to go and like ride a horse go horseback just feel this animal just to kind of connect i think there's a grounding effect being around animals so the fact that you answered your question in that way it makes me so happy and and i think this week i'm going to make an effort to go maybe not a
1: zoo or, or where do you live again i'm in austin texas Oh yeah. God, you're, you're surrounded by horses. Just drive one hour in any direction. You're that's that's <laughs> the thing. You got to go an hour
0: in either direction, right? All right. Awesome. Nick, thank you so much for your answer to yes, the, to what you do when you, when you, when you're on focus, what gets you back on track? Yes, sir. I like doing, I like doing no tech walks. I do a 15 to 20 minute walk around my neighborhood with no phone, do a little breathing exercise. It's funny. The same
1: thing when I'm writing, my phone's in my, saddlebag or something right and i don't look at it at all the whole time i'm writing so i understand that feeling I also and how go- amazing does that feel right it's uh, you you know you go for an hour horseback ride or two hour horseback ride you haven't looked at your phone for that long but then you come back and it's all there <laughs> you know nick that was
0: such a great point about the email earlier what are you doing to get more replies you know what i use lavender sales email assistant it really is everything that i need to personalize faster and write better And their users are fanatics. Apparently, they make movies about them. I saw on LinkedIn that uh, someone had a lavender tattoo. It's kind of crazy, but you know what? It tells me one thing. It's got to be good. Anyway, use Lavender Love for one month free at lavender.ai. Nick, as EVP of Global Product for Marketo, you're responsible for all engineering, operations, product management, and support. How did you maintain a healthy work-life balance having to do all that?
1: Yeah. I mean, the first four years at Marketo were 24-7. So there wasn't a whole lot. But as we got closer to IPO, you know, you're able to have a little bit more breathing room with people on your team and things like that. So for me, it was working out every morning. I mean, I, I did three days of running. I actually can't run anymore. My knees aren't going to support it so I bike a lot now but but 3 days of weight training on top of that and like no more than 45 minutes a day every morning would sort of clear your head a little bit in the same way that being around the horses does in some ways and i think everybody has their own outlet like that whether it's golf or horseback riding or whatever it is you need some outlet that lets you clear your head and you know we would you know essentially do that every morning so that i had peace of mind and the other thing that was really important to do was stay away from filled as much as possible. That also helped a lot. I was at Marketo from two and a half million to 330 million. So it was, it was a long ride. It was a great ride. It was also, I describe it as the hardest job I've ever had in my life and continue to because it was just moving so fast. And it was just immense in the growth that we were putting up there. So it it was awesome.
0: What do the good companies seem to always have in common?
1: Well, I mean, there's no company without a team period. I mean, all great companies have a great team that row the boat together in the same direction. So if you, if you look at any great company, I guarantee you that that was the major ingredient to their success.
0: Nick, tell us a little bit about what's next for Syncery and anything that our listeners should hit up to, to learn a little bit more.
1: Well, we're literally changing and advancing how companies interoperate. And so look, we're in a multi SaaS world, right? Every company is dealing with fifteen different SaaS applications, at least that are core East. in 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 their in their. I forget the ancillary thirty that people use, but the the core of the business is probably fifteen to you know twelve to fifteen core SaaS products, and this ability to actually get those systems to. Interoperate as opposed to just simply integrate is what Syncro is bringing to the market. And actually, today our latest announcement—you know—we're actually layered this on and 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 built Syncro in layers. And the layer that we just announced today is code-free analytics. So actually, posted on LinkedIn a Scarface reference. It's like first you sync the data, then you normalize and clean the data. And only then can you actually analyze and use those signals to run your business. So that, that is what we're bringing to the market is, is if you think about what's been going on for the last 20 years and including this latest move in modern data stack, which I think is all a bunch of foobar for the average business. It's just a lot of tech jargon and stuff. But the reality is, is people are trying to run their business from leads to billions. And we want to help bring RevOps data automation to the forefront for the business users as opposed to you know hiring 15 engineers or 10 engineers to help you build the data stack that eventually maybe get a report out for you. So that's it. We're building a full stack RevOp automation platform is the best way to think of it, all the way from leads to billings that let you use all of those systems, but get the key signals across those systems when you need them, and then visualize sort of in real time where you are in your business with key metrics and analytics.
0: So <clears throat> it seems like the the benefits. Are vast. Your company doesn't need to devote really expensive engineering or dev time to Nothing. building that out because that sounds like a nightmare.
1: It, it is. And for many companies who have done that for the last 18 months are starting to realize that it is a nightmare. And that's why you're seeing a lot more people post on LinkedIn that this whole modern data stack was just foobar. The reality is, is we replace five or six point tools in the marketplace that never worked together in the first place. And we actually do that at a fraction of the cost. If you think about buying a modern data stack and three engineers, you're into this for one and a half to 2 million. Give me 250,000, we'll do all that for you. And we'll do it probably 10 times faster than you were gonna do it with these other programs that you were gonna do. So why wouldn't you do it? It's the same thing we did at Marketo, or if you think about it, Marketo was there a lead database, probably. Were there landing page systems out there? Yep. Were there email cannons that could set emails? Yep. Were there you know, maybe some analytics or reports you can run on top of some of that data? Yep. What we did is pulled it all together put a nice slick UI on it made it so the average marketing person can control their digital marketing life. And they didn't need to go to IT to help them build a new webpage or a new landing page or send a new email or create a filter for who they wanted to segment their nurture campaigns to, et cetera. They were able to just do it themselves. We're doing the exact same thing for data inside of every enterprise without having to go to all these technical folks to help you do it because, and then you're vested in it in the same way that Think about the people that use Marketo or Salesforce, HubSpot, or any of these tools that made it to the pinnacle point of their existence in the marketplace. They all provided a capability to business users to solve a business problem. And we're doing very similar things at Syncry. Now, that's not to say that the product is not IT scale or is not relevant to IT. It's just that There's a lot less for IT people to do inside of Syncry when it comes to coding and things like that. Because there's a code-free platform, code-free analytics, full data model view of their business. I mean, all of that stuff is just done automatically in Syncry. So why would you even consider dumping all that money into something that's not going to yield a return fast enough for value? Yeah.
0: So it's cheaper, you're doing it faster, and you're doing it better.
1: The American way. (laughs) Bigger, better, faster.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bigger, better, faster. The classic build it yourself or buy it.
1: That's what it is. And what we're finding is that RevOps continues to mature. And you know, there's a Gardner study out there that says by 2025, 75% of businesses in the marketplace will have a real RevOps function and, and a real RevOps go-to-market kind of organization. Ick. Who do you think we should interview next? I'd reach out to Andy Mawat, the CEO of Gated. Love his product. I've exchanged a few messages with him and we haven't met in person, but he seems like a great human being. And so, yeah, I think he'd make a great person to, to reach out to.
0: He is definitely on my radar on LinkedIn. And I feel like he has a pretty good podcast out there as well that I'm going to dig into a little bit more. So what kind of music do you like to listen to?
1: Well, I mostly listen to country almost like 90%, but lately, like literally for the last few weeks, I've been on an 80s resurgence. So a rock resurgence, like so all that 80s hairband stuff, Motley Crue, all of that has been coming back. I mean, I love Tesla, things like that. So I've been listening. I have this playlist of like old school stuff, is what I call it. And every once in a while, I'll go, like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to listen to this for a while.
0: So Motley Crue, <laughs> home, sweet home, Nick. We've arrived at the final question of the interview. It is also everyone's favorite question. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why?
1: So, in general, Marketo was very glass half-empty company, but one of the most successful companies I've ever been a part of in, in many ways. And and, you know, I used to look for ways to say very positive things in kind of a Glass half empty kind of view. And so, like, my version of, you know, try to be a winner that, you know, something like that you'd say inspirational to your team became try not to lose. And that catchphrase has been with me since like 2009. And people on my team still know it and they laugh at me for saying it every once in a while. But yeah, the other one that I use is, uh, what could possibly go wrong? Right. And uh, in the everything. Incident, so everything, right. So, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I, I, I'd pick try not to lose. There are people that know me would, would, would probably giggle at that.
0: We said that we're, it was going to take us an hour and we just got such good chemistry that we didn't even need the first 10 minutes to figure out if we were going to like each other.
1: Thank you for having me on. This has been great. I, I love meeting you. I love watching your stuff on social and you've got a very genuine voice and I always gravitate towards that because I try to be me on LinkedIn instead of someone else. And I love that. So keep doing what you're doing and great job.
0: Thank you so much, Nick. Try not to lose. There's something about that glass half full positivity that really struck a chord within me. I think it tugs at either the formerly jaded New Yorker in me or maybe I just really like how succinct it is. Either way, I think you should say it to yourself every day, too. Thanks, Nick, for joining me and sharing some of your journey. And thanks to you, dear listeners. Tune in next week when we interview Rabe Booth. That's Babe Ruth's cousin slash accountant. All right, see you next time.